welcome once again to the How Long To Beat podcast, take two of the intro this week. And happy 50th birthday, us, 50th episode. Oh my God. I mean, it, it's technically 52 because we, we squeezed a couple of pre-recorded in there. But this is this is full episode number 50, which is an exciting milestone. Uh, and what better time to hit that milestone than Spooktober. Um, and once we've talked about our beatings, retires and playings, and by me, I mean myself, Rick, joined as always by Alex and Paula. Um, we're going to get on to spooky games uh, at Alex's very timely request. Oh, it's my raison um, d'etre. <laughs> it is your raison d'etre. And uh, once we've gotten through that, assuming we all survive that, we will finish uh, with everyone's favorite podcast-based game show. How long, How to, long, be long to beat the game? The game. Nice. Whew. Okay. Um, who shall we start with this week? Paula, tell us about Pokemon Snap. So I finished New Pokemon Snap, that, and by finished, I mean the main campaign, and I register every single Pokemon in the photo decks, in the photo decks, mm-hmm. and it was a very good time. Like, um, not only uh, you get like the like all the general areas in the main campaign, but there was also an update that added like three. Yeah, three other areas uh, with a bunch of new Pokemon uh, to discover and photograph. And two of those were actually like a trip down memory lane because they had some uh, very nice original Pokemon Snap Easter eggs. And it was just a great time. Like one of the maps like, looked like one of the um, rapids river thingy. The one where you have to like um, guide a Magikarp through the stage to make it evolve into a Gyarados. And you can actually photograph a Gyarados in that stage, but it, it is done like slightly different. You actually have to trigger an event nearby the um, the like the the cascade where you originally like photographed the. Hmm. The Gyarados, and then you make it appear like later in the in the stage, and it was awesome. And also, this game kind of like doesn't hold your hand. Mm. Like you're just taking pictures of Pokemon, but some of them are very difficult to get like a decent picture of. And for some particular Pokemon, you have to um like trigger an event, or you have to like go through the stage like multiple times to level up the stage and then you have to trigger an event and for like most of the legendaries in the game because you can photograph some legendaries uh, you have to finish the game and then go back uh, to the to the stages oh so they're kind of like and there was some post game things yeah there there's a lot of post game content and if you wanted like to keep playing and like get the like the best pictures for your photo decks because you technically have to get like four pictures of each Pokemon like in different poses to complete like all of it and to unlock like all the the information on the photo decks. You can do that. And you also get like um I want to say like a high score based thing uh after you beat the game so if you want you can like try to get like 
very high scores like on each area okay and it is based like on the pictures you get during your 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 tour there so if you're able like i don't know like to photograph like a lot of rare pokemon in very like uh, good poses like centering the image or or doing something interesting and looking straight at you you can rack up points like very very quickly like the the highest score i got was like three million points or something like that I'm um, assuming that's a lot <laughs> that, that, that is a lot um but yeah uh, that is pokemon snap Actually, new pokemon snap sorry uh, i would Oh, so I just had a question for you, because like, I know the rating system. I'm curious, like, how did you find the rating system? Did you find it kind of like, does it make sense? Or is it like one of those ones that you can cheese kind of easily? Like, I'm sort of curious, because I was just playing Umarangi Generation. They kind of like, you know, like they have this sort of slightly obtuse-ish kind of like rating system for them. Um, but I'm curious about mm-hmm. Pokemon Snaps. Is it star-based or is it points-based? It is both points-based and star-based. Because um the like the, the, the star system is more or less like how rare of a pose it is, I okay. guess. And in like each star cut category, you get like a point based system. So and that point based system is actually like uh, it is told to you in game like what things affect your score so if the pokemon is like in the middle of the of the picture you get more points if the pokemon is looking at you you get more points if you see like more of the pokemon and it's like the the pokemon isn't like i don't know like 20 meters away you get more more points <laughs> if it if you get like a close up look of it and if you're able to give it like the Illumina state, um, you also get more points with that if it's interacting with other Pokemon, if there's more Pokemon in the picture. And also, and this one I didn't quite get, but the background of the Pokemon, like where mm-hmm. you photograph it or the angle you photograph it at, also affect your, your score. So there's a lot of factors you have to take in if you want to get like uh, a very high scoring picture because getting like a thousand points or two thousand points is relatively easy in the game. Mm-hmm. Getting three thousand to four thousand points is still like manageable, but I don't think I got many five thousand points and above on uh, pictures on on like a lot of Pokemon. I may have gotten like. Mm-hmm. Maybe five. Damn. Okay. So it's pretty hard to get it like really nice. Yeah. Well, it is very satisfying when you do. <laughs> and also, like, uh, since I brushed on the Illumina thing, I already said there were like these special like Illumina Pokemon that, um, given like the there's like these Illumina flowers, and when they interact with the Illumina flowers, that pretty much give like a, a, a glow or something like that. Hmm. Um, there's like this special pattern that shows and it is gorgeous. Like the Pokemon they selected for each of the Illumina stages because they're pretty much bosses. 
Di alam mo Pokemon are like the the bosses of each stage. Hmm. So, um, getting to them, for, to get to them, you first have to like photograph like uh, an active Illumina flower. And then you have to go to that state. And the first one, which is Manganium, who is like the Pokemon who appeared in the trailer to show the Illumina uh, phenomenon. That is like pretty easy because Manganium is docile. It doesn't like really run. It just does its own thing. And you're able to get like a lot of pictures without much trouble. Hmm. The other ones though, especially like, I'm not going to spoil which Pokemon they are because the surprise is um, like the, discovering which Pokemon they are is part of the fun. But the further you get into the game, the harder it is to get the pictures of them. Especially like the the like the last one and the second to last one those those are very difficult to get like a, a, a pretty decent picture of them um and i actually had to retry one of those like multiple times because i i wasn't like getting what what i was missing to to get the picture uh so yeah that's the thing with pokemon and stuff i would i really recommend the game because the fans of the original Pokemon Snap are gonna have a blast with this game. Like, it is everything that they ever wanted and more. But also, like, for anyone who's like, "Hey, that if you think Pokemon Snap looks kind of fun, give it give it a shot," because it is a lot of fun. And again, one of the, if not the best uh, looking. A Switch game I've ever seen. Nice. Uh, who wants to take it away? Oh. Um, Rick, because you have a retirement. Yes, that's true. Let's keep it balanced out. So um, I'll talk about Peace Walker briefly first. I haven't finished it in the sense that, A, I'd already beaten the story years and years ago. And B, I will be coming back to it. It's very much a finished for now situation. So um, I've been playing loads of extra ops on my own um plugging away at things i now have six separate attack helicopter missions they are best played in co-op uh so i'm shelving it until such a time as i can play co-op with my brother again um so as not to just ruin it for myself really uh, but it's still it's still excellent and it's still an easy recommendation even more so if you can play it on vita uh, because that second analog stick shockingly makes it way more fun than using the face buttons uh, and I think it's a testament to the game that I had as much fun as I did with it over 70 plus hours playing with Facebook and Amy. Um, the other game on my completions, the game I actually finished uh, this week, is Valhalla uh, for the Vita. Interesting sort of getting to the end of it, having only just recently finished Sumire, because actually something I'd, I'd maybe sort of appreciated less at the time I beat it the first time around um, is how much the game's focused around loss in the same way that Sumire is. But by comparison, um, Valhalla couches its loss in someone going through their ordinary life, like turning up to work, doing their job, dealing with like the petty little sort of things that crop up in day-to-day life um, and how you can sort of try and avoid problems because you've got other things to deal with and let this stuff fester. Um, and it's really cool to have that comparison on a second playthrough. Uh, they're both exceptional games. They're both wonderful stories, albeit they take very different approaches to the way that they do it. Um, 
I think Sumida is a bit more accessible. One, because it's a little bit more blunt with the way it hits it, but also because it, it, it's sort of between a third and a quarter of the length of Valhalla. Uh, and Valhalla earns its runtime. You know, it, it's an excellent eight to ten hour um, narrative experience, but it is more of a commitment and more of an investment. Um, but I think they're both well worth um, the time of anyone who's listening to this show, really. And I can wholeheartedly recommend them both. Um, so yeah, nice short snappy. Alex, tell us about your return to Arkham. Yeah, so I'd be Batman Return to Arkham, Arkham Asylum. There's way too many Arkhams. But um <laughs> Arkham, Arkham, Arkham. I just I don't know. I like like I said last week, I saw it on sale and I it's October. I'm like, oh, it's kind of Batman season for me, you know. I'm like, I kinda wanna get into that. Um it's just such a perfect game for Halloween. And man, this game is like near perfect. Talk about one of the best like introduction because this was almost rocksteady i think rocksteady had like one game before this um if that yeah like i'm certainly, even... certainly this is what put them on the map yeah because they yeah they had one game called urban chaos riot response on the ps2 which is supposed even... to be quite good actually i would believe it because yeah. this game is and when you think about it they've only made the arkham games really like rocksteady has made asylum city night they did the vr thing and now they're working on the Suicide Squad one. Um, Suicide is it not Gotham Squad. Knights? Is Suicide Squad not the No, no, team? no. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is Rocksteady. Gotham Knights is actually um, WB Games Montreal, who did Arkham who did Origins. Origins. Because right. the, the team who did Arkham Origins, they're actually the ones who did all the DLC with Batgirl, Red Hood, and all that for Arkham Knight. Okay. So you can actually see they've been Got working you. on this game for like years now. And I mean years, because the last game they made was Arkham Origins, and then they did the DLC in 2015. And they've been doing, I mean, I don't know, maybe they were doing support for wb and some other games but like basically their next game is gotham knights and like when you look at um fucking uh rocksteady it's like 2016 arkham vr and now it's 2022 suicide squad so i'm like yeah i'm kind of like all right i'm ready i'm i'm curious and playing through arkham asylum actually got me when, when i first saw gotham knights come out i'm actually more excited about gotham knights than i am about suicide squad just because i, I like batman in that world more and i love the court of owls because actually I remember around the time that these games were hitting, or at least maybe Arkham City and Night, that was when they were um, starting to really do the uh, like the new Batman run, the new 52, which was when I got back into comics for a while. And like the Court of Owls was the first thing in that new sort of Batman reboot. So I remember really being into that and reading Nightwing and back on all this sort of shit. So like looking at it, I'm just like, oh man, that's like when I was really into it. And so anyway, and it's one of the, like, you know, Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights are both like next gen exclusives, right? So it's like we're finally getting there, you know? Like I'm like it's happening. We're getting to that point where like we're going to be getting games that are targeting this new soft this new hardware um particularly. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty fucking pumped because Arkham Asylum man, it looks really good on this. Now, if you look real close to textures like yeah, some of them you're like okay, it's not the prettiest thing in the planet and like some of the faces and like animations can be a little a little like right this is a game from but like it's a game from 2009 right and then this return to arkham which was done i think just a couple years ago i'm pretty sure yeah it's 18 19 thereabouts yeah something like that i think it's like three years old yeah 2018 is or 19 um 
it looks phenomenal. Like they did a great job. And the thing is, it always looked good. But I remember I played this game uh, probably in my dorm room at university. But I don't know. Batman Arkham Asylum came out when I was still in high school. So I might have played it then. But I don't know if I bought it later. But I had this small little TV like on my dorm desk. And so playing it on my big fucking OLED, I'm like, holy shit, this looks good. And just like, it's a Metroidvania, right? Like that's kind of what this game is. Um, you know, you're collecting and upgrading gadgets, which makes so much sense for Batman. And like, they also, the way that it works, like the whole setup is just ingenious. He's come to Arkham because he thinks Joker's up to something. And like the way he gets his gadgets throughout the game actually kind of makes sense. Now there, are, there is some like, you know, silly video gamey stuff. Like for instance, the stealth is really hilarious. I love it, but like the idea that there are gargoyles in like every room of Arkham and you just have to like swing around up top and they can't find you. Whereas it's like, you'd think they, the people there would just look up and go, well, Batman likes to go up top. <laughs> um, Although contrivances aside, the way they do those sections is pretty cool. Cause it's like, Oh, they're it fantastic. gives you a sense of vulnerability, but they also give you like a split second to get out of it. Yeah. So there's like a really fine balance that it strikes in those sections. Oh, and don't get me wrong. I love them. Um, though I do think Arkham City does it much does it much better. Like you actually have... Um, Maybe. Th- there's not a lot of... Uh, there aren't as many options as you'd think for your stealthing in the first one. Um, just not as many as you might expect. Um, but yeah, again, the reason I bring this up is just that like you need to suspend your disbelief a little bit which you should anyway because you play like a batman game like come on it's silly in general <laughs> um but it's so well realized and the fact that they got kevin conroy and mark hamill and like it's basically you feel like you're playing a continuation of the batman animated series and that i think is the big strength now the designs are a little silly sometimes on some of the characters like i mean um they definitely played up a little bit of like her, like you know, like <laughs> big man kind that of thing. ending as well. The uh. ending's pretty dumb. Um, and it was funny because right up until the ending, basically right up until the poison ivy boss fight that you have to do, I was like, man, this game's like a 10 out of 10. And then I was like, right, this is a nine for me because <laughs> I remember yeah, I, I was the same when I played it for years. Back. Yeah, it's not enough to ruin the experience, you're just like, oh, okay, like, yeah. And then also to remember that this is like, but uh, again, though, what's so incredible to me is that like. It's so well designed. All the Riddler challenges and trophies all play into your like upgrade systems. Um, so like they're actually worthwhile to find. They're fun to do. Like finding the trophies and finding his actual riddles is just a, a joy. The combat is free flowing and, and entertaining, and it only gets better as the series goes on. But like to think that this was the start and it's so fucking solid from the start is just kind of incredible, you know? Like. I have little quibbles here and there about it, but I think often the quibbles, they come from the fact that they refined them in the later games, you know? Like, it's like, well, in comparison to that one, you know what I mean? So it's like, without those other games, I might not even complain about it. I just know there's a better way of doing it. Um, Like those Predator sections, for instance, I just know that they give you more options in the later ones. And that's why, like, when I look at them now, I go like, oh, I miss being able to do this particular thing. But you know what I mean? If I had known that, I'd be like, they're dope. And it's such a good shakeup. I, sorry, I'm gonna we're gonna talk. I'm gonna rant about this a little bit in a good way. Um, but we've we talked before, like when I was playing um, Marvel's Avengers. It's like that game feels soulless, right? Because you're just fighting a bunch of nameless who gives a fucks. Um, but the the henchmen that you fight in Batman, 
they have such personalities. Like they're always talking mm-hmm. with each other uh, when you're hunting them. And even when you're fighting them, they do it. And like, yeah, sometimes near the end, you get into this kind of repetitive, like with the Titan ooze, you get into kind of a repetitive state of like fighting these sort of banish kind of boss fights later on. Um, but that's okay. It's not too often. So I, I give it a pass, but they use the villains as well. So effectively, like you feel like, you're actually going against somebody and there's always this conversation going like you're hearing the enemies talk to you jokers constantly talking to you um you're picking up all these audio logs all these like it, there's so much going on in the game that you always feel like you're learning more about the world and it's something that when i played marvel's avengers it just was so disappointing because like there was nothing right you have this rich world but the villains are just non like they don't exist in it you know and it's like Batman has some of the best villains out there. Like, I like Batman as a hero, but, like, really what I like about Batman are the villains because they're so fucking good. Mm. Um, And this one doesn't even use, like, the vast majority of them, right? Because the ones that you don't see, you immediately see in Arkham City. Like, it's just (laughs) awesome. There's a funny dichotomy with the the Marvel and DC side of things where, like, Mm -hmm. Marvel are killing it in the cinemas and then outside of Spider-Man, and that's really Sony anyway, they can't seem to get the games right. And then yep. you've got DC who are killing it with almost all the games. And then outside of Wonder Woman, they can't seem to get it right in the cinema. Yeah. And even then, the second Wonder Woman was a bit of a blech. So I did like, hear it was a trash fire. I do need to watch yeah. it, but I heard it was god awful. It's not very good, which is disappointing because I loved that first one. It was dope. Speaking uh, of disappointments, unless you've got anything else to say about Arkham. I don't think so because I'm going to talk about another Arkham later City anyway. in so. a minute. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> are. Um, speaking of disappointments, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, uh, my, mm-hmm. and by extension, our only retirement this week. And I think this is similar to what you're saying about sort of um, things that you notice about Arkham Asylum because you're going back and you've seen them done differently and better. Blood Dragon, it shows every bit of its age. It, it's like a game from 2010. Um, and more than that, it's a standalone carve-off of a game from 2010, which is it distilled into a very small space. And it's like, once you've liberated a couple of bases, you've basically liberated them all. I just found myself in a position where I was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. And I got it for free. I've got loads of other shit I want to play. So it's just <laughs> like, eh, whatever. No, no. No, thank you very much. So uh, I uninstalled it, and there's not really, <laughs> not really much else to say about it. It's just like... Yeah, Far Cry's like a good loaf of white bread. It's fine. Sometimes I want that. But honestly, kind of unremarkable most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tricky one as well because it, it doesn't control badly no. per se. But the stuff you're doing, I just found profoundly boring. Yeah. When I played it. Um I also think as much as the neon aesthetic is fun, um, what people seem to love about these games so much, and again, interesting comparison to Batman, are your relationships with the antagonist. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's an antagonist in Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, but it is generic 80s evil general. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's nothing um, of any real interest. What I would say anyone who's got 10 minutes and wants to be entertained go and watch the tutorial because the tutorial was fucking funny the tutorial was really good um and then it just went very very quickly downhill from there which normally it's completely the other way around but um 
Yeah, no. Uh, not for me, dog. Um, yeah. I've played like all those so, games. and Sorry, go on. Oh, I said I've played all those games and honestly nothing has ever really struck the spark that the third one did. Like they just... Well, it's, it's the Ubisoft formula. Oh shit, people <sighs> loved it. Let's make it six more times. Yeah. Because Far Cry 2, it, it has its... Like people... There are people who love that game, but it is objectively just horseshit when you go back to it now. Like it's so hard to play because like it, it just yeah. has the cheapest bullshit in the world in that game. Like... <sighs> anyway... I remember I never wanted to play it. I don't even know how I played Far Cry 3 because I hated Far Cry 2 so much. But I got Far Cry 3 and I was like, this is dope. And 4 was fun. I liked Primal. <laughs> it was kind of neat. And then 5 Somebody was Somebody like, Yeah. Well, actually, Primal's an okay game. Like, I, I don't I don't know. It's, it's an interesting concept. But yeah, I don't know. It's losing steam. I've heard 6 is just kind of like, oh, it's okay. I'm sure... Uh, um, oh, God. Giancarlo Esposito, that's it. Yeah, I'm sure he's fantastic, but... Apparently he's wasted, though, because the interesting thing with the prior Far Cry is that your protagonist has a relationship to him. So mm. um, I've got a couple of friends who've played it, um, like normie friends, not not people who would listen to this podcast, unfortunately. But they were, they were saying, um, like, we wanted a Far Cry game. We got it. Sick. It's great. But, like, you basically play a couple of missions and then you have to go and watch, like, a separate cutscene of the villain talking to his son. And it's like almost two completely separate experiences that are just playing in tandem, which is quite strange. And it's a shame when you've got such a talented actor um, connected to the game that you, that you sort of waste in that way. It's like, why didn't they make the protagonist like the daughter of the guy or, or the son or something? You know what I mean? Like that'd be fucking dope. If you were like related to him, like that's like talk about stakes right away, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe... I suppose the problem is they've already technically done that with four, um, ah, possibly five question mark. I don't know. No, I don't. Think I'm not four. really invested. Were you in related? Far Cry. In four? Oh, you kind of were. You were like a cousin or something, weren't you? In four? Yeah, so remember. related. In five, you're not related at all. <laughs> all um, right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, you're not. I can't even remember. In five, in five, you're not even like. I don't know. I don't remember what went on in five. Five had a great ending though. It was fucking dope. Um, uh, well, let's switch to our playings and speaking of switch probably you've got three switch games to tell us about let's oh, go yeah. it has been like a couple of switch weeks for me oh uh, <laughs> mainly because i just had too many switch games ongoing one of them being animal crossing new horizons because i'm still dealing with flower apocalypse on my island flower apocalypse yep like Okay, the thing is, if you leave, like, your flowers, like, planted there for a while and you don't go back into the game, like, after, like, five to six months, since, well, weather is a thing in game, and also, like, the, the, the game timer keeps on going without you there, mm-hmm. my island was just completely covered by flowers, and I had to uh, pretty much, like, get them out of there because I needed space to do stuff on my island. Hmm. And it was at the point that I couldn't like even like um, harvest wood from my trees because flowers were like covering the base of the trees. They were covering like the entrance of the museum. They were everywhere. So I'm still dealing with that. Um, I almost forgot that today is Sunday 
and on Sundays there's Daisy May, May they're visiting your island and selling turnips. So I bought like a hundred and fifty thousand bills worth of turnips, and hopefully I will turn up a profit. That wasn't. I swear that it wasn't intended. <laughs> God damn it, that took me um, a <laughs> Yeah. And, well, as long as I don't forget, I have the turnips because when I came back to my island, I also noticed I've, I had a lot of turnips in my home and I have, and they were rotten because, well, they've been there like for four months already. But oh, so that was a nasty surprise when you turned it. Yeah, it was a very nasty surprise. I actually like lost like, the, like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we lost oh. pretty <laughs> yeah i broke myself <laughs> oh god sorry back on so yeah like i i went back into my land arrived to flower apocalypse i'm just there like trying to fix stuff before the the update it drops and that's Animal Crossing New Horizons for me. The other game I'm playing that I haven't played in a while is The Lane of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I infiltrated Gerudo Town. I got the mission to to go and do stealthy things into a hideout to recover a thing. So I'm on my way there. Nice. I am fully prepared with no less than 23 ancient arrows, so I'm gonna just pulverize everything on my way. Hopefully that works. If if it doesn't work, well, I'm in trouble. Um, so yeah, that's Breath of the Wild this week. And the last uh, Switch game I've been playing is um, the, the latest Japanese import I got, and that is Shuen no Birte, Error Salvation for Nintendo Switch. That is an Atome game. Shocker. Shocker, yeah. <laughs> the extra shocker is that I'm actually playing the, the Japanese import I got. And uh -huh. it hasn't been announced for localization yet. 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 Um, things, so things are going well so far in that front. In the, like, okay. I am very glad I took a break from Otome games like before jumping to this one because this is this island is fucked. 2.0 electric boogaloo. Wait, you took a break? <laughs> I that's a good point actually. When was this break? I missed this break. Did I you swear on Wednesday you were playing week? a different you were playing Nightshade, weren't you? Um but that was like if I played That was three Nightshade. whole days ago, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, I, like, in reality, like, I know you recorded it on, on, on Wednesday, but I haven't been playing game, uh, Otome oh. games since I finished Olympia Soare, and that was on Sunday. Okay, so okay. you've got a week break, okay. If that. Yep. It was a, it's still a break, okay? <laughs> it counts. Hey, any and minutes I'm when I'm I not playing is a break, all right? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Sorry, Paolo. Pretty much. It, it's okay, it's okay. I just, like, needed time to pick up first from very story-heavy stuff because um, I was told this was a story and lore-heavy, just as Olympia story was. 
And actually, this game is kind of dark uh, and kind of messed up in many ways because um, I got my notes. I am gonna butcher so many names today because uh, since it is in Japanese, I had to search like for uh, equivalent name in English or something mm. like that for some of these places and characters. Uh, so the way this game starts is pretty much showing you a bad ending of sorts. And that's the other thing. To get the good endings of this game, you first have to get the bad endings of this game. Which is pretty uncommon on, on Atomic Games. Like, it is the first time I've seen this on, like, on all the Atomic Games I've played so far. The protagonist of the game is called Ceres. And she is said to be like, not reincarnated, but like, everyone says she is cursed uh, by the God of Dead or that she is uh, Shinigami or, uh, or the Green Reaper. Because it seems to be that every person like she kind of gets close to, like, I don't know, even as a friend or like interact long enough with, uh, they passed away some way or another or another. And, uh, pretty much like the, the, the game gives you like, what it seems to be about an ending at the start, because she pretty much like um goes to these uh spy uh, black spider lily like field, uh, which seems to have some importance to the story, and takes her life there, and I'm like. Huh, I don't remember seeing this in the trailer because in the trailer they show you like that scene, but someone comes and saves her. I'm like, like, huh, what is going on here? And then like the narrator says something about um oh uh, you're probably like not happy with this ending, or what would you do to avoid this or something like that? And then just like a rewind thing. And you pretty much start playing Asteris, but like in a completely different place. Like waking up in this room, it seems to be like part of an orf uh, orphanage. Orphanage? Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm like, huh? So that was a dream? Maybe. I don't know. And you're like thrown into this world, and in the uh, automate virtue page. I, I I already read and I already knew that people in this country were kind of like cursed and didn't live like past the age of 23. And I'm like, all right, that seems to be the thing on this game. Uh, the the island is cursed again. But the game makes an excellent job in the first, like, I want to say like the first hour or two, depending on your reading speed to really show you what what does that entail or what does that mean or how it affects the people on the island. Uh, so, uh, the name of the island, by the way, is 
I'm gonna butcher this. Is Alpsiel? Alpsiel or something like that? And... Not a quick... Bless hmm? you. <laughs> Let's go with that, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, first of all, it is made abundantly clear that Ceres is kind of like unwanted because of how, well, she's like everywhere she goes to bring some kind of disaster or doom. Like, uh, there's only like a handful of people that is like, oh, that just a coincidence when most people like just fear here um and then you're showing like this um district that is Kune and it is like you're told this is the most populated place and it has like markets and it has a lot of orphanage and then it tells you People die at 23. Someone has to raise the children. So, but the, the one moment that really settles like the theme of, hey, this place is kind of messed up, is when she's going to the research facility and someone like a man from a random house, just like, uh, starts like, hey, um, so my wife's dead. Can someone help me carry her? Like, almost like as if talking about the weather and saying something like completely normal. And then you're uh, introduced to the concept of relievers because in this island, since no one can go over the age of 23, like biologically, well, the solution they've come up with is that they clone themselves and download their memories into a new body and relive like those 23 years again. Okay. Uh, though it is almost like, you I want to, to say it's it. almost like a, a luxury or something like that. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the game is weird. I already knew that going in and I already knew like I want to say the style of writing of the author because I knew some of the previous works. But the way the like the world gives you like a slap on the face and makes you wake up and realize what reality is on this island is like I don't know, it was like eye opening in a way. Like, oh, yeah, this is reality. Damn. Uh, so yeah, that's more or less where I stopped last night because I was kind of sleepy, and and in reality, like I am not like reading reading the game. I mean, I'm using like a lot of translation tools to get through it. Uh, so I was kind of tired. I was like, hey, I'm gonna call it a day. This. Uh. And and I just want to know more in a way because I just wonder what the general plot of the game is gonna be and why are you forced to play like the bad endings because you get up the good endings and what the hell that the that starring scene was. Uh, so yep, I have nothing more to say about this game. 
like right now. Uh, any of you want to take it away? Please. Sure sounded like an Otome. <laughs> yeah, like I know Otomes are wild, but this one is probably the wildest right now. Yeah. Um, why don't I go ahead? Yeah, sure. why don't I? Why don't I chat? Um, so I'm still playing Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime. Fucking loving this game. It's fantastic. Um, the the tank battles are super fun. It's such a good pick up and play little game. Um, it's hilarious. I um just I just completed the level Call My Bluff, um, <laughs> which is spelled Call My like Call M I G H Bluff. Um, because every single name is a pun in this game and it makes me very very happy <laughs> and call my bluff do you get it call my bluff no you've yeah. lost me i'll be honest that I was you don't know what head. call my bluff is i know what call my bluff is but i don't understand the way the spelling changes it oh well they, they spelt it as like uh, as if it was like a bluff like an actual like um like not like bluff as in like bluff like as in a mountain and cliff Oh, okay. Because it's a big cliff that you Their climb. pun work is good. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thinker. Anyway, crack on. It, it takes you for a second there, but it, it's all good. Because um, it's like bluff sounds a lot. Bluff is a steep cliff. But anyway, it's fine. Whatever. Um, <laughs> you get it if you see it. I got there uh, in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, again, it's just a unique, fun little game. The boss fights are fun. There's like... You can like, so you upgrade your tank, but like I said, you get all these items throughout the different, because it's kind of like, um, you have like a home base and then you go out to these kind of level structured areas that have a certain amount of slimes. I think there's like a hundred slimes mm-hmm. in the game that you have to rescue. I, I'm pretty sure pretty far into the game now because I have like 73 or something of the slimes rescued. So I think I'm nearing the end actually. And it's just fun. Like you unlock uh, more of the town as you complete uh, as you get slimes and like you get new things like you can craft and so you can craft items from some of the stuff that you bring back in order to get better upgrades for your tank and like everything just kind of it, it all just meshes together very nicely and it has a really good flow to it and it, it's it's kind of it has hints of metroidvania in the sense that there are things you'll notice as you're playing through some levels that later on you'll get like an upgrade that lets you go back and do that um but overall it's pretty good it does have a slight map problem that i I seems to be like um very common on the ts i don't know why maybe there was something to do with the the way that it was working at the time and i guess playing on the 3ds where it's so big but anyway the top screen you have a map and it's a bit zoomed in so you can see like details but if you hit x it'll zoom out to show you the whole thing but then it loses any of the details on it so it can be kind of hard if you're trying to remember like have i been to that area before to go and get something that's a little mm. knock on it, but overall, this is like, this is a very good game that I would put like really high up on my list of um, DS games. Like, I don't know, it's for me, it's like almost a perfect experience at this point. I'm just like, this is fantastic, unique, exactly what I'm looking for, and I do recommend playing it in bursts because it's kind of perfectly designed for that. Mm. Um, speaking of a game that's designed to be played in bursts, playing Hot Wheels Unleashed. Yeah, I'm just going through it some more. Fucking loving it. Having a good time. Like I say, quick resume is there now. So I just pop in once in a while to play a race or two if I have like a few minutes. And I'm just like, let's get a race going. And um, getting farther through the campaign, which is fun. Unlocking some cool stuff. 
Mm-hmm. I wish I I wish I had time or was good with track editors because man, they have a lot of stuff that you can do in this game and you can create some really cool tracks, but I'm just like I don't got time for that. <laughs> um but if you do have time for that, you're going to have some fun. Uh also playing through Disco Elysium. I'm not really taking a break, but I'm trying to take it slow with this game. So, I really like it and I don't want to rush through it, <laughs> honestly. Well, um, I mean, there's periods between the game where you're not playing, so that counts as a break, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. That, that's how that works. <laughs> when I'm not playing the game, it is a break. <laughs> Pal is like, ah. Pal is just stony face, we're getting no reaction from it. I'm trying to react, but brain is not working right now. <laughs> that's a good reaction. Your brain's on a break as well. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> My brain is on a break right now. It's not being used. Oh, God. I'm, like, just about to finish the first day in that game. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it technically is broken into, like, a certain fixed number of days, but, like, um, maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I, I, I'm really enjoying the game. But, again, it's heavy. It's a lot of it's text-heavy, so, like, you kind of have to come to it when you're ready. Um, so I'm giving that a little break. But what I did start, because I finished Arkham Asylum, and I was like, fuck this shit, I want to just start City right now. And so I just rolled right on into Arkham City. And man, that is such a sweet opening. Like, fucking Hugo Strange. Like, when he started... No spoilers, I, I haven't played City yet. Well, I, it's not really a spoiler. It's the first section of the game. You, you <laughs> Don't the spoil fr- the first section of the game for me. <laughs> if you're saying it's really good, let me experience it fresh. Okay, we'll play the game. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> play it now! <laughs> Because I'm talking about Arkham City, boy. No, I won't, I won't spoil anything, but... Well, no. Okay, listen. Hugo Strange is the first person you see in the la, game. La, so. la, 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 la. No, it's not, this is not a spoiler. You, you're not... I am not allowing you to call that a spoiler. He is a villain in Batman. Relax. <laughs> uh, but the reason... Because I, I need to talk about him because I remember at the time they had a huge campaign going on with this game. Like, they had all this uh, other materials in like a comic book series as well that they did with Arkham City that was like really great and like fleshed out kind of what was happening right before and sort of like the connection between Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. And I actually recommend if you enjoy Arkham Asylum and you're going to go in to play Arkham City, like seek out that comic. You can, you can find it as a graphic novel. Like you can just get it online, I'm sure. Um, but it's actually quite good. And um, it just does like, you don't need to, like it's not giving you information that the game doesn't give you necessarily, but like, it's just a really nice kind of um, extra deep dive into uh, Arkham City before you get into it. Uh, gameplay wise, whoo, mama, this is a good game. And it just, everything feels smoother. You're just... In an asylum, you're a little clunky sometimes, right? Like occasionally, um, like when you want to use a grappling hook and stuff, I find that occasionally it's like a little iffy in terms of its um, aiming or in terms of what you're actually hitting. Sometimes when you want to like aim with your batarang and stuff, it's like it's everything was just felt a little slow and a little clunky. But in Arkham City, it's just like from the get-go, you're like, no, everything feels polished, fast, and smooth. And traversal is just... Mwah. So, yeah, this is a fun game. You gotta play this game, man. You gotta play this game soon. Oh, we play these games. We can talk about because this game's excellent. <laughs> it's um, I have it for PS3. My PS3 oh, is coming out soon because there are a few games that I want to play nice. on it soon-ish. I'm just trying to find which comic this is. Is it just called Batman Arkham City? Yeah, that's all it's called. Yeah, and it's like oh uh, yes, initially released in May 2011. Now I have uh, to double check. Picks up one year after the events of Batman Arkham Asylum, and finds Quincy Sharp. 
being elected mayor of Gotham City. Yeah, that tracks. Okay. Yes. I'm sure I can find that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually like, I personally, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and because I think Paul Dini is the, yeah. So Paul Dini, who wrote, like wrote, wrote the games, wrote this as well. So um, yeah, I might actually read it again. I think I own it. I think, I don't think I have it here. Um, but I think I had it back, uh, back home, like in a pile of comic books. I'm pretty damn sure I had this one. Um, anyway. It was only five issues. It was pretty quick, but yeah, I'm definitely going to read it again. Anyway, all right. So, <laughs> that's Batman Arkham City. The Return to Arkham thing, if you if you have like a next-gen console, uh, fuck yeah, it's so good on it. Um, that's it. Rick, what are you playing? Well, depending on what the sale is, maybe soon return to Arkham Arkham City because if I can just play it on PS4, there's maybe a price at which that's worth it for me. Anyway, mm-hmm. in terms of what I'm actually playing... Um, I'm still playing Ghost Street Phantom Detective. Really nice one just to pick away at bit by bit. Like I said last week, it's like a warm blanket or a replay because some of it's just coming back as I sort of pick into it. Uh, so that's nice. Um, I played a little bit more of The Legend of Zelda. Zelda blah, blah, blah. Played a little bit more of The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. Uh, I am going to use a guide for this one. 2D Zeldas, they're just... Uh, like I played a little bit and I could just feel the energy draining from my body. I was like, the text boxes are so slow. It's a Game Boy game. Like you, you can feel the age of the hardware through the emulator. It's not pleasant. So yeah, um, I'm gonna see how I go on with the guide. May well end up dropping it. In all honesty, because like it's fine, but it 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 really is feeling its age. Unfortunately, uh, I would love 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 um, this to get like a, a reimagining like Link's Awakening did. Because when I get a Switch, that's one that I want to play. I feel like Oracle of Ages Seasons, I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, would be a really lovely fit for that kind of a treatment as well. Yes. Um, the one yep. new game I'm playing um, is a spooky season game. So I'm feeling spooky. And um, it's a game that I've been meaning to sort of pick at for a while. And that is Alan Wake's American Nightmare. Nice. A standalone uh, sort of campaign follow-on to Alan Wake. Um, I've only played half an hour of it so far. Uh, but I love it so far much more than I do the base game. It leans a bit more into the action side of things, uh, and I really like that for this game. Um, I felt with the original Alan Wake, it was a little bit pandering. It definitely sort of targeted a different kind of genre. It was very much more um, survival horror-y in that you were sort of always juggling ammo. You are always on the verge of running out of ammo. Um, and, you know, that has its charm. It has its appeal. Um, for me, the action bent that is immediately apparent in this version speaks to me much more. I like it a lot more. Um, it retains that great fight, the light setup. Um, it also seems to be like the start of remedies, uh, infatuation with live action cutaways from their games, which mm, you can take or leave. I think it was done well enough in control. Uh, I know it was something that people picked at Quantum Break a lot for. Um, this seems to be where they start doing it because they open up with like a three-minute cutscene of Alan and Mr. Scratch and all this stuff sort of being live-action shot. Um, I could take or leave that. The main thing is the gameplay's good so far. Um, and to give you guys a bit of insight into what I will be playing, uh, we're recording this on the 24th. So by the time it comes out, Spooky Season will be very much upon us. Um, you won't from here and from us again until November now. Sorry, what was that, Alex? 
I said, yes, the spooky season. <laughs> uh, and I've got two other spoopy games that I want to play between now and the 31st. Um, the first of those is Devotion. Red Candle Games is um, oh, yeah, previously yeeted game because of that, like, um, oh, wait, Genie no, the sorry. Pooh image. I played Detention. Yeah. I played Detention, which is a different game. But yes, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> but same developer, yeah. Oh, okay. So easy enough mistake to make. But Devotion is like the, the 3D walking semi-horror one. Uh, looks amazing. I was happy to buy it and support the devs uh, about nine months ago when it first went back on sale. And uh, I'm really looking forward to sinking my teeth into that one once I finish with Alan Wake. Uh, the other one, another epic giveaway, is Stubbs the Zombie in Rebel Without a Pulse, <laughs> right. which uh, I very nearly bought when it first came out because it's one that looked really cool. Very glad I held off because um, Daddy Epics bought it for me. Uh, and I will be I will be sinking my teeth, no pun intended, into that one in the next week or so as well. Um, but yeah, that that's it for me. This is quite possibly record time for us for, for beaten playing retireds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. we have a ton. I mean, I, I feel like all of us had beaten quite a few bigger games over the last little while, and it's been a bit of a, you know, there's always a lull every few, every few weeks, you know, where we're just, we're just plucking our way through some games. <laughs> yeah. um, Making sure we've got sweet, sweet content for you lovely listeners at home. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. up next, it's time for spooky times. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was good, Al. <laughs> Paula's got her Is orange shirt on. It's supposed to be a, a wolf howling. Oh, wolf howling. I thought it was an owl, but it sounded great. It sounded like... <laughs> um, oh, so, yeah, no, I can't do it again. <laughs> that's fine. It's it's all good. Um, I wanted to talk about horror in video games because I absolutely love horror. I think horror in terms of film and in terms of video games is such a unique and beautiful goddamn genre that it it uses every part of the mediums uh right especially when you think of film it uses it needs incredible sound incredible cinematography um it needs good performances or else you're not going to buy it although sometimes when it doesn't have good performances it's also very fun <laughs> and like you know and and in um video games it's, it's very similar except now you you know you can't look away which oh, <laughs> that makes me very excited um so i thought we would talk a little bit because i could wax poetic about horror and video games for just hours and hours but um, what I thought we'd talk about instead is maybe a little bit of like what makes a game scary and specifically to for us, because I think a lot of people talk about like, um, you know, oh, this makes games scary and this is what fear is. And they do that kind of psychological analytical look about like, why do we fear? Uh, <laughs> like, why do we get afraid? And I was like, who cares, man? It's fun. Um, <laughs> In this four hour video essay. I know, right? Yeah, it's like to start. Let's go back to the first time man felt fear. Um, <laughs> the fire was very oh, frightening. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious that like getting to feel frightened in a safe environment is awesome. It's a fun experience. It's a great emotion. It's exciting. Um, personally, and maybe I'll start with one thing that actually gets me frightened in a game. Um, not a lot these days, but I find like sustained tension gets me quite good. And, and I think about, um, you know, I wasn't very afraid of games, but when I played resident evil seven in VR, mother of God, <laughs> like that experience 
was just like, oh, pounding, right? And like, I think the reason it was so fantastic is that not only are you fully immersed in the area and you really can't look away now because your goddamn screen is like, you know, an inch from your eyeballs um, and it's everywhere. And even when you look around, you're stuck, but also because there's a masterful crafting of tension in terms of like, you're quite powerless, but you have a direct objective, and this is something that I've, we talked about this with uh, Visage or Visage last week, where that's a game where there's like no real objective. And so the actual tension in the game, there doesn't really feel like there is any, and there's no like real threat at the moment. Like occasionally you feel it, but like for me in a game, I, I need to have like a clear goal that I'm working towards and then a threat that is present, but also not. Like, it's weird, right? Because if you play a game and you get killed easily, it's, like, not that scary anymore, you know? Because you're, like... It sucks all the tension out of it, for sure. Right? And Resident Evil 7 does this thing where, like, yeah, you can die. And and I think particularly the first half, the later half where you fight against an enemy called the Molded gets a little... Whatever. But... um, the first half in particular where you're like hiding from Jack and stuff, it's so tense. And like, it does that thing that you talked about Rick in Arkham Asylum, where if you get spotted or something, there is a brief moment of ability to get away. And that cat and mouse is just so effective. And it's, I don't know, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I guess like every corner. I'm like, where the fuck's Jack? I hear his like steps going, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, <sighs> no, you know just like freaking out or whatever the dad's name is i don't know if the dad was jack or if that was the son but anyway that's one thing that scares me what about for y'all i know paolo you talked about something that scares you in games you go first paolo because my um you'll see why go ahead (laughs) okay like generally i don't play like a lot of horror games on the one side okay i and this is like kind of interesting because now that i think about it um, I remember like watching some of my siblings play horror games when I was little, and that didn't face me. But <gasps> at some point, uh, like if you give me a controller, I just can't do it. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I said, uh, it really creeps me out because I am an arachnophobic. Is spiders in video games like in general? Um, I can't remember which of the games on the uh, Steam Games Fest that I played, but it was like a kind of like a, a fun platformer, and you kind of like had a power like to shift like a general area, like to look like a, um, I think it was like a separate dimension. I don't know. And I was having fun until I got into this dark place and I saw a spider silhouette. <sighs> And I just had to nope out of it, like, big time. Oh. And I actually wanted to play Limbo, like, to get a, a taste of, I guess, a, a more spooky game for to talk about today. But I installed it, but, like, I I, I, I saw the banner and I saw, like, that spider leg that was, like, yeah, it's very creepy. Intense. And I was like, maybe I don't want to play this game tonight. Maybe I'll save it for the morning. And that was me like all week. Yeah, you might not want to play Hollow Knight either then, because there are a lot of creatures that look very much like spiders in that game. <laughs> yeah, Hollow Knight's yeah, but... hella buggy. 
but the Anything thing we with Hollow Knight because I've been wanting to play it like for a long time. I actually own it on Steam. Oh, nice! It, is that I guess the style of the game is like more cutesy in a way. Okay, that's true. It is, and and yeah, like I I actually don't have a problem with bugs in general. It's just like the spiders and some other like very disturbing creepy crawlies but when i see them like in a video game like in a more cartoony form it doesn't have like the same effect to me but when a game like limbo or or the the other game i was talking about takes like the silhouette of a spider like the movement itself of the spider kind of creeps me out this sorry, you made me think of it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and like Dennis goes on the It's the implication, Mac. The implication. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what time I'm talking about, Rick? Yeah, I know um, exactly what you're talking yeah, about. It's different, but I see what you mean. Yeah, the implication of, <laughs> uh, of something frightening is good. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. It, it is weird. Like, um, I I already said I don't play many horror games. I tried playing i actually tried playing amnesia like someone like handed me a controller and was like nope and but the one thing that even like if it isn't like a spooky game but there's one thing that could create like a spooky atmosphere out of nowhere and some of the actually some of the pokemon games actually like did it like real good in the sense in the sense of um, for example, um, Pokemon X and Y. You're in Lumio City, that is like the capital of the Caldus region. It is bustling with uh, with noises, and everything is bright and happy. And then you walk into this building, and take the elevator. Everything goes quiet. Like all the the moment or all the the like the life that was like in the game. Everything gone, completely quiet. And a character appears out of nowhere and, like, goes walks into the place. Stops for a minute and says, no, you're not the one. And then just slides into, like, the... Like, further into the room. And, like, that contrast of everything is kind of, like, happy-go-lucky. And then mm. you have, like, this creep, kind of, like, creepy ish moment out of nowhere uh, gets me from time to time depending on how it is That's done and <laughs> I, I, Alex is laughing at me Sorry, you probably no. think I'm, I'm a chica or something like that no I'm just because, thinking if yeah, you did I play am. some of the more intense horror games you'd have a rough time <laughs> Pokemon yeah I know it would have a rough time that's why I, I, I don't play it but I'm actually kind of jealous uh, I also like play Five Nights at Freddy, but after a couple of of jump scares, it doesn't really mm -hmm. work anymore. Mm. Um, in the sense of when there's like that sense of tension, like like you mentioned, mm -hmm. it like the expectation of something happening is more terrible than the thing happening itself. Yeah. Uh, but when you repeat the thing that happens a lot of times, it just, like, loses the impact. 
Yeah, so it's like with Blair Witch, like I found near the end, the like house bit, like you're talking about, it, this kind of scares in that moment just became predictable. Like it was like, oh, doors opening, doors closing, like all this kind of stuff where you're like, okay, I know what's going to happen now. But like the before part of it, I really didn't know what was going down. And so like there was actual good tension in there. And like, it's like you say, like when it becomes kind of predictable, you just get to a point where like you're sort of numb. And even if they do try to scare you, it's like, whatever, you know, like you didn't quite get me. Um, but I was saying too, Paolo, the reason I was saying I'm jealous of you is like, you get to a point where when you've played a lot of horror games or you've watched a lot of horror where like, you just, you just get a little numb to it, you know, like, and, and I think this is sort of similar to games in general, right? Like after you play games a bunch at a certain point, some games just aren't exciting for you anymore. Cause you're like, oh, I've played that before. Right. It's like with the Far Cry thing, talked about Far Cry three, like I played that. And now the other ones you're like, well, you know this is my first time experiencing a game like this, I'd probably be like, dope, but I've been there, done that. So it's like, I kind of wish I could have that. But that does mean when you find a game that really scares you, it's like, ooh, shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But that just means you have a long life of scary games that you can enjoy, (laughs) Paula. I don't don't know if I want to enjoy the life of scary games, (laughs) Alex. (laughs) You're going to be terrified. Isn't that great? (laughs) <laughs> it is it is <laughs> man it's oh. do you know what video game horror is tricky i mm. love a good horror movie mm-hmm. um i think a lot of games that try to do horror get it wrong and i think that's just because the way the mediums work what you need to do to make something truly scary is different um the one i always think back to is layers of fear uh, I mm. retired that game after about 45 minutes, not because I found it scary, but I found it incredibly dull and predictable because unfortunately the way they crafted that experience, you could see the trigger points. So yeah. you could see, oh, once I cross this invisible line, thing starts to happen. And it just takes everything out of it because you can see the puppet master's hands um, moving above you and around you. And that, that throws it all off. So for me, for video games, um, actually just while we're on spoopy season um if anyone hasn't watched oculus yet with karen gillen incredible horror film one of the all-time greats recent one i don't hear enough people talking about that film that film is a gem um in terms of video games i think the two ways that you can really nail it are um the the kind of sustained tension that you were talking about alex so like an expectation that something is going to happen but um without any kind of certainty as to when um, and putting the player in a position where they know they need to go forward, but they don't want to because of the fear of what's going to happen. And I think the perfect example of that is PT. Yeah. I think PT was the perfect encapsulation of everything right about horror in video games, because you knew you were in this same loop. You knew you were going to go around every single time, but you didn't know what you'd find each time. And because you knew you had to keep going, every time you went around that corner, you found yourself in a situation where it was like, oh shit, what's going to be there this time? And then you'd lull into a full sense of security because you'd do a couple of runs. And then that bathroom door pops open. And (laughs) there's so many little bits that catch you out in that way. And um, I'm yet to see a gaming horror experience that gets it right. Um, I do love a good B-movie. Um, I love sort of that schlocky, not scary, but kind of quite fun 
horror, like your House of the Dead Ovicle kind of thing. House of the Dead, generally, to be fair. And frankly, uh, I'm a big Resident fan of that. Evil. But it's never really clicked with Resident Evil. I'm going to be honest with you. But then I've not played much Resident Evil, so. Yeah, the new stuff, like, I gotta tell you, like, Resident Evil 2 is a masterpiece in video gaming in general, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, like, I, I you see, and it's interesting that you talk about because I agree with you. And I also, I, I do think VR is the next step for horror games. Um, 100%. And it's the logical next step because, yeah, I've never been so scared in my life playing a game before, but I'm also so compelled, you know, like you're saying, because I agree with you, like, I, I actually can't think of that many games that I've been genuinely frightened by. Mm. Um, PT has gotten me, but also I, it was, um, I, I like PT, but I'm also just like, PT has been more fun to read about than it was for me to play, <laughs> which is actually fine. Like I really love watching people play PT and like learning about PT and reading about PT more than I liked playing PT. Um, which isn't there was a, a beautiful thing, moment but... in time about six weeks where everyone was playing PT on YouTube yeah, as well. And it was awesome. great. God, I hope the rumors about Kojima and Sony doing a new Silent Hill are true. Oh, that'd be so much fun! That'd be so great. I that'd loved Shattered Memories. Actually, I have to say that was a fun game. Um, is that the the Wii one? Yeah, the frozeny bit. Uh, I thought it was clever. I actually think the problem is because the horror moments were confined to when everything froze over. It just sapped all the tension out because you yeah. knew you were safe vast majority it, of the time. And it's I thought that that kind of fucked it. Now I liked the tension. I liked the mm. sense of dread. I think that's wholly separate from what's scary. If that yes. makes sense. Yeah, and like I said, so. that one wasn't necessarily one that scared me, but like I agree, I, I I just felt more tense in it, and I was also more like I must figure out what's happening, right? Like what is I this did like mystery? It, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I agree with you. It was also fun because I was playing with someone else because that's another key thing. Playing like horror games with a group is extremely fun um, because you just got this whole other like yeah I don't know. There's something fun about that. It's like watching a horror movie together, right? Like I remember watching yeah. The Conjuring two with a friend and in theaters, and he, he was. <laughs> scared shitless during that movie it was very fun <laughs> and i'm just like man i've watched too much horror because i'm like oh scary but uh. <laughs> yeah yeah in the other hand like uh there was a point in time when my sister was like hey you have to watch a horror movie because you never know if you like them unless you do she's right um watching a horror movie i don't even remember the name of the horror movie um Watching a horror movie with a group was like the worst fucking mistake I made in my life because they knew I was like getting like tense and suddenly they, I don't know, they would touch my shoulder or like do like any kind of sudden movement. I, it would scare the shit out of me. Oh, that was like my dad, that like asshole. When he showed me Sixth Sense when I was quite young, like in my early teens, uh, maybe even preteen. And like that Does scene. Does that count as horror? Listen, when you're like preteen, and there's that scene when he's going to take a freaking piss and all the way down the hallway, there's that freaking woman who's got her like wrist slit. And I'm telling you, man, if you're a young child and you live in a house where you have a bathroom and a very long hallway down to the kitchen, <laughs> that Maybe. scene scares you. But the, the, see, the thing is, the movie didn't actually scare me that much. I found that scene really creepy. But it was my the dad, implication. Yeah, it's the implication. It's the implication, right? <laughs> but it was really just because my dad went like, ah, like that after at a moment that was really tense, right? And I was like, you asshole. <laughs> he loved it. Oh, God. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I don't know. I just, I love all games that engage with the, like, the scary and the and the super dash because like technically doom is like a game in that realm but it's not scary obviously it's just like uh-huh. demon-esque right but then there's something different about and, and it's funny right because you would think doom would be more of like a horror game but i actually consider like the batman games more of a horror game because there's such just like um just because of their vibe right like the dark griminess the kind of like 40s-esque era look to it but also the mechanics because that aesthetics mm-hmm. only part of it the, the exactly horror only works when you have a sense of powerlessness and yeah. uh yeah. in movies that's interesting because um the editor has full power over what you see in the pace at which you see it anyway so yeah their life is infinitely easier to start with i actually think additionally that's one of the tricky parts for video games how do you make a game compelling and scary at the same time because to make it scary requires you to actually remove a lot of what we conventionally consider to be gameplay um vr almost brings it full circle because when you're in that experience everything you do is gameplay yeah and and suddenly you get that shortcut back along with the immersion and the everything else um and so they, if you look like a, a series like Fatal Frame, they, they have to give you the photography the mechanic. Uh, you look at a layers of fear or an amnesia, uh, they will try and give you things to do, even though effectively what they want you to do is go from place to place to place to place. And yeah. when we think of gameplay in a conventional sense, uh, that doesn't really stack up. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge unique to that medium. Yeah. And it's something that like, I don't know. I'm always excited when a game tries, you know, because like I feel like we don't get a lot of besides the Resident Evil games, we don't really get a lot of like big budget um, horror games anymore. You know, like we've lost. No, uh, then that's true for the films as well. Most most horror, certainly most good horror is in the indie space. uh, Like in the low budget stuff. Most. Most. Yeah. Yeah, um, but you've also got like uh, things like Shutter and stuff going and doing that. Um, what I will say is like, for sure, most is in that area, but it, it's more like mid range. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily mm. like, especially with film. There's a lot of low budget shit, of course. Oh yeah, tons of it. But then there's also like, there's a pretty strong international horror like film scene as well, which I guess mm. you would. I don't even know how you would label it. Um, kind of mid-range-ish area i guess man if you want horror (laughs) france my dude holy crap france makes some scary messed up movies um like dear lord (laughs) stuff that i've seen out of there i'm always like oh thanks you ruined my life a little bit france (laughs) and i love it yeah right and i'm like thanks do it again (laughs) yeah but, but I'll be saying in the game space, some of the best horrors like on the indie side of things for, for sure. sure. Like if you look at um I suppose this is sort of a spoiler, Doki Doki's got kind of horror elements. Oh, uh, yeah. And I have to say that the first yeah. the first situation where there's sort of a horror thing, I had a rough idea of what was coming because the whole yeah. conversation around it sort of given me some clues. But it still took me aback. It's like, whoa, we're going there. Um yeah. Specifically, the one where um, Doki Doki's free, an hour and a half. Go and play, it and then come back if you haven't already. Um, the girl with the purple hair, like not not the yeah. first one who hangs herself, but the one with the purple hair, where she's talking to you, and then just suddenly starts fucking stabbing herself. I was like, "Whoa, that yeah. was out of nowhere." I'm not prepared for this. Um, you... you look at something like a oh crikey, what's it called? Um, 
Lone Survivor, I think. It's like a two oh, yeah, year. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I thought it was a bit of pants game, but as a horror experience, it's pretty good. Um, but see, Stigmatized some... Property, Akari, some of those other games. Again, I think they're shit, but you know, as, as <laughs> horror things, they're reasonable enough. Well, that's the problem too, right? It's like sometimes if it's in the indie space, they don't often get enough like funding to really kind of go for their full ideas. But um, mm. something that I do think is kind of the curse of horror games, um, less than some other games is just that like horror is super dulled after a first viewing you know like yes uh-huh. especially like resident evil for instance like i remember when i first played resident evil 4 scary 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 now i play resident evil 4 and i'm just like and they jump out there bang and they jump, you know, i'm like oh here comes the saw bang 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 you know like i'm just like yeah. i know yeah. where everything um, is right familiarity breeds contempt yeah yeah, I was going to say, like, part of it is because of you don't know what to expect, but when you yeah. already know what to expect, then it, the, the, it just gets dull in a way. Yeah, it does. And it, it's too bad, but, like, I mean, that's just part of the reality, which is also probably maybe why a lot of companies don't go in on that. <laughs> because they're like well, fuckers are only gonna play our game once but then you get games like resident evil where they've kind of figured that out where they're like okay we know that maybe you're not going to be scared a second time but also we're going to do fun fucking wicked puzzles so at least you're going to mm-hmm. have a good time or they make emergent kind of gameplay where it's like hey you're being chased by you know mr x and like yeah sure that's the same every time but the way you get caught will never be the same and i gotta admit that's pretty fun um, like I love that shit or like alien isolation, which alien isolation is a bit too long. But the thing with that game is like, when I actually think about it, I'm like, I don't want to go back to it right now because of how long of a game it is. But also because I'm just like, I know I've played it before, but that alien ain't really scripted. Like there's a couple scripted scenes, but that fucking <laughs> alien can get you any time, man. So like, it's just a tense game, no matter what, you know, like, um, so Although that, that speaks to the same problem because, um, that game Everyone says it's way too long because after the first few hours, like, you know how it's going to go. Well, that's actually not my complaint per se. It's just that um, it's more just that they just padded things out. Like the the gameplay still remains frightening. It's just that there's like a few too many um, like quest things that you have to do. Like genuinely, if that game was like 12 hours, I think it would be perfect. But it's, it's like 18, which is for me just like a bit too much that's also just a personal thing. Like, I'm just like, that's too much for a game for me in general, which is like kind of linear, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it was shortened a little bit, but man, I remember playing that for the first time. Oh, that is one of the best horror games ever made. Um, anyway, anyone else have some thoughts on horror in, in video games? That That's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I'm quite pleased. <laughs> I'll be real. I've pretty I much was... exhausted, but go on. Sorry, pal. Go ahead. <laughs> I was thinking, like, the go-tos for horror is, like, the ambience, the music, mm-hmm. um, the feeling of powerlessness, the power, the, of being powerless. And there was one more thing that I thought that could add into, like, the overall, like, horror or, like, the atmosphere in the game. But it's more, like, giving you, an, like, an unreliable narrator in the form of a protagonist Mm. like like I haven't played for example Hellblade Son of Sacrifice but I have watched like the opening scenes of the game 
Mm. And like feeling like you have people talking inside of your head or like not being sure of what is real or what is or what it isn't real. Mm. That kind of like gives a whole different feeling to to a game. Like for example on Frambo and that's uh one that I played. Uh it is a point and click adventure. It has like these I want to say the slightly important ish feel to the art of it. But first of all, from Bowie's a kid. Like it and second of all Sorry, how can you everything keep... is so freaky. Did you say Rambo or Frambo? Frambo. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Frambo. I've never heard of this game before. Um Fram... It is a weird one. Yep. So F A R F R A M B O, uh-huh. is that it? F R A N Fran Bow. B O W. Like the name Fran and and a bow. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Sorry, I yeah. just hadn't heard of it. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Paula. No problem. And the thing with this game is that you have kind of like you have to it's mm-hmm. sort of a point and click adventure and you have like two realities to play with. But one of them is because of how Framber has to take like this medication and she sees the stuff that isn't necessarily there. And you kind of like jump between these two realities so puzzles, but one of them is really, really um messed up. Um it's less horror and dwell and delves more into like I don't want to say like pro stuff. Of like stuff that creeps you out, I guess. Okay. Um, but even like after finishing the game, you still have that feeling of what is really real and what isn't real. Like you, you don't when you can't tell with what is reality, even inside like of a game or of a movie. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of like just messes with your head, like. I also said that in Basta Fells, like in one of the the routes, you're actually you actually take the 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 point of view or of someone who sees things like actual hallucinations. So even then, it's kind it's kind of like what is going on here? Like, um, so. So yeah, like that cool. unreliable narrator thing, it it gets me in the sense that I'm not sure of how to feel or what or what do I really know about the world in the game. Yeah, that that's a cool concept. I'd like to see more people play with that. I'd also, to be honest, I want to see someone make a cannibal game. <laughs> like, I really want to see someone do like you know like a survival resource horror game or some shit where you're like. Mm-hmm. going after folks because i'm just like god damn that'd be good i don't know why but you talk about unreliable narrator made me think of that where like you think you're like hunting or some shit but you're hunting people oh man i'd have a good time oh that would vampire be... kind of touches on that i mean yes it's, it's more vampiric than cannibalistic but same concept i'm actually mm-hmm. looking forward to vampire i want to play that one i i got it on sale again too i think i bought it like twice i know it's like rough around the edges from what i hear but i hear it's kind of like it's, it's just a unique game so i heard that you know yeah kind of go with that anyway 
That's horror in video games. I'm not going to lie, Paula. When you said unreliable narrator, I thought you were talking about the Jason. 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 <laughs> I mean, Heavy Rain's rain. horrific, but I think not for the reasons it was meant to be. I know, right? Oh, man. I'll never tire of shitting on that dude. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Go look up if anyone wants to. The Heavy Rain creator, like in France, there's these uh, court cases oh, right now. Oh, they got dunked on by that lawsuit as well. They did. He won part of it, um, but um, and then another party didn't or something. Anyway, it's hilarious and kind of depressing. Um, <laughs> uh, anywho, well. That's it for that topic, horror and video games. Um, if you like horror and video games, why don't you tell us all about the ones you like the most and what has scared you in your life? <laughs> um, not in your life, in video games, please. Don't tell me about the scary things that happen in your life. <laughs> don't tell us in real life. Tell us in the comments down below yeah, where we can go. feed the algorithm or praise the algorithm. You can also catch us at hltvpodcast at gmail.com or on the forums or on the discord which is helpfully linked in the forums and down below and where you can ask us a question like this question from uh that we have oh man we have i've meant to get to this question for weeks now but here we are from findorb it is what is your least favorite gaming company i don't have a good answer for this but konami <laughs> Kona- oh, konami really okay Fuck konami now yay Credit where it's due, they've done a couple of decent-ish anniversary collections, but they yeah. also, in the same year, released eFootball 2021. Oh, so, I heard that's, like, the worst. Yeah, they they rushed it out, number one, and two, are offering pre-orders for, for DLC for a freemium game. <laughs> which is kind of a scummy move. And it, it, it's kind of heavy, because there's something to be said for... Um, changing the sports game model where most years it's just like a, a roster update. Yeah. Um, there, there's something to be said for making that more of a, like pay a small amount each year rather than buying you $60 game each year, especially mm-hmm. when they make all their money through the microtransactions anyway, especially on the EA side. Uh, what Konami decided <sighs> instead, because not loads of people were buying their game anymore, and at the worst possible time, because EA are about to lose the FIFA license by the looks of it, uh, they decided, hey, let's um, shit out a worse version of our PES game, call it something different, make it free, uh, and then see if we can make EA money. And the answer is no, you can't make EA money because you didn't put EA money into it to start with, credit where it's due. Um, and they're just neglecting all these amazing franchises that they've got. And when they were making things for them, they were Metal Gear Survive. And they were whatever that Castlevania iOS game, yeah, Xbox Live thing was, and it's just like, ugh. Ubisoft kind of suck as well. Um, <laughs> Nicalis, if you read into some of the stuff they've done, massively suck. Aren't they the werewolf game that came out? The one Nicalis, that I... no, I do know the one you're talking about, Werewolf the Apocalypse, the one yeah. that, that put you on your way to your uh, fantasy critic league. I, I'm calling it early, but let's say victory. Yeah, probably. Oh, they're. Oh no, no, no. They released the. Ah, I see. They're they're the ones who release like little um, indie games, right? Yeah, sometimes, and then sometimes they sign contracts with people and just don't release the fucking game. Oh, that's um, true. Sometimes they announce games for Vita and then don't release them, and then five cartridges just turn up on the internet. I knew the Vita yeah. would somehow get into this. 
<laughs> Always. The Vita is life and it permeates every aspect of mine. It's true. Doesn't Vita uh, mean life? Well, Vita means life. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that's my answer, stroke answers. Paula. Oh. I suppose it depends which week we ask her who's localized a game she already bought in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> or just the Pokemon company. <laughs> yeah, Game Freak. There you go. <laughs> oh, Tony. listeners, if you could see the look that just flashed <laughs> in Paula's face. Pure it was abject hatred. fury. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I guess in, in a way, like Game Freak is like. It is like I hate the company, but it's like it's just disappointment after disappointment. But if I have to pick like a company that I like even less than that, it would be EA. Um, mainly because I actually used to play some of the EA games, but microtransactions. Uh, yearly releases with not much improvements and uh, for example in the Steam skins that they they buying like all the expansions is just ugh and uh, the worst thing is like they take things out of the the game and then sell you like the separate thing yeah because um, and that happens like specifically like with the with the Sims games like oh in Sims two you had this and this at the beginning but now if you wanted you have to um, like in the Sims four you actually have to like buy separately and that is pretty scummy and um, I don't know like with the whole FIFA thing that is like oh they might be losing like the FIFA uh, uh, name. Because of how expensive it is. And I'm like, huh. I don't know. Should I be happy or sad about this? Because, like, they they can't rely on the FIFA game. And they have, they they kind of, like, are forced to come up with something, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the the football one's a bit nuanced. Because the FIFA name isn't the right to all the players and teams. They're negotiated separately. The right to the FIFA name is basically the international teams and the World Cups. So oh, um, I see, it, it's, I see. it's an interesting one in the sense of who will blink first because FIFA can technically sell that name to anyone, um, yeah. some shitty mobile developer, you know, whoever they like. FIFA, um, or rather EA, um, because they negotiate those player likenesses separately, and that's the most important uh-huh. thing, really. There's some talk that they might try, they might have wanted to do it without that name anyway. Um, I only raised it as a, as a point in terms of Konami. Um, if anything, now was the time for them to sort of capitalise and try and retake the crown. Because Pez was, was the go-to football game for a little while. Um, and then it just suddenly sort of wasn't. Um, yeah. I, I take it we're all, we're all sort of giving Activision Blizzard as a given. Well, yep. that, that's actually mine, basically. Because I'm just like, not only yeah. are they shit people um, <laughs> running it, but like, uh, you know, particularly at the top, right? But like, um, I also just don't give a shit about any of their games i just genuinely don't play any of them um and they're microtransaction to hell for me at this point so i'm just like no thank you uh, to be honest and, and on that point any any company charging more than 10 pounds or your regional equivalent for cosmetics can go fuck <sighs> themselves yes Let, let's just put that out as a 
HLTV podcast like stance. Right. Um, it's hard because like I guess some of Activision's games I have played. Um, I think like Spyro and stuff like that. But yeah, they're just just some shit stuff. And I used to play Call of Duty way back in the day before it was Activision Blizzard. <laughs> um, but it's you know it's like honestly like those big three for me: Activision Blizzard, Ubisoft, and EA. Um, you know, at least we know with Activision Blizzard and Ubisoft, they have just some terrible cultures within there. EA, I don't know, maybe wouldn't be surprised, but we know that they've got some predatory practices, at least within their, you know, pricing and scheming. And it's just like, I don't know, the stuff that like, they're slowly trying to win back some goodwill, but it's like, you look at EA, right? And EA is like, oh, you know, look, we're removing microtransactions from like Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and like, fucking whatever like maybe a few other star wars games won't have it and they'll let bioware do their thing but it's like it basically to me like my cynical brain goes the reason they're doing that is because they've discovered that those markets fucking hate that shit and will like actively not buy your games like microsoft like mass effect andromeda um (laughs) and like we'll just get pissed off and it's like so to me it feels like they're like look no microtransactions there and then it's like hey fifa come on, give me 10 pounds every two minutes. Like, you know, like, and they and load it into their All they're going to do games. is what they did with um, Avengers and say, ah, oh, there's not going to be any ever. And then like 18 months later, going to put them back in one day. Sorry, Dad. Yeah. But like, even if they don't, like, even if they just like with Battlefront 2, friends and stuff like that, even if they just don't do that and they just like, they just trot it out as an example of saying, we don't do this so that they can thus do it in other markets, you know? Like it just, yeah. It's kind of gross because when you think about who plays sports games, like, I mean, lots of people do, but there is a very, very big um, section of people who basically only play those games. And so I feel like they're more willing to pour money into them. Um, You know, like they're like, okay, well, whatever, I'll get my rot. Like I have a couple of friends who are like pretty into sports games and they'll buy Mm -hmm. the NHL every year. And like those dudes are like, bro, why are you spending so much money on this thing? And they're just like, oh, well, whatever, you know, because like it, it, it doesn't feel like it's a their big only deal. game. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, what's well, my only game? Yeah. So I'll spend a few hundred dollars on this game. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but then again, I'm over here spending hundreds of dollars on many games. But that also feels different. But I, actually, I don't even spend hundreds of dollars on many games every year, to be honest. Because <laughs> Yaha sales. <laughs> and also Ubisoft, <laughs> complete other change of tack have this amazing UBR engine. They used it on like two Rayman games and a baby's yeah. first RPG. And Child's that Light. was it. Yeah. yeah. Child of Light, mm-hmm. which Child of Light. I do need to play on Vita at some point. I've heard it's okay. But it's like, it's that engine is phenomenal. And Rayman used it to great effect and then it's just been wasted. Yeah. And they've I just, wanna, I want to see more UBR games. I know. And it, it's kind of the thing that bothers me with like, so again, I guess I have more say on this, but like, again, I think of them as the temple, like EA, Ubisoft and Activision Blizzard for me are kind of this like temple of companies because they're so big that, and, and they purport themselves on this concept that like every game you're getting is kind of, you know, um, even Square Enix, actually, they've been pissing me off lately. Fucking Marvel's budget. Anyway. Uh, but like, mm they they put these games out as if like look they're all of this quality but then like to actually discover who the fuck develops these games is like so difficult because you're like so what studio did this because you're saying it's it's ea but i'm like what fucking party ea made this and like even with ubisoft i'm like who the shit made the assassin creeds games because when you actually go and look at who developed them the good ones tend to be the same goddamn studio (laughs) like black flag studio has pretty much made all of the fucking 
Assassin's Creed games that I love. And then any other time, I'm like, because I've heard a lot of mixed things about Valhalla, and I'm pretty sure Valhalla, if I can uh, do a quick check here, wasn't made by, um, like, it's definitely not the same studio who did Odyssey. Um, But aren't all the AC games, like, six different studios at any one time now? Pretty much, but I think... um, Ubisoft Montreal and Milan might have been the two who were in charge of that one. Um, Let me see. Yeah. Well, because hold on. I think um, I don't know how much of, uh, but see, I think Ubisoft Montreal. Yeah. Okay. Because they did Origins, then they didn't do Odyssey and they did Valhalla. Um, And they're like the Unity they worked on black flag but it's hard to know who actually was the main developer on these games you know like i'm like okay were they the main developer or was ubisoft milan ubisoft milan the main developer because they're made of like international teams from all over the freaking world and so you have this thing of where it's like i don't even i don't even know who's making what you know and they're keen to chop that out at the start of every single game i gather to try and give themselves like yeah out of jail free like we have a diverse team please leave us alone right like they're um promised yeah, they're support studio and they've assisted on tons of stuff like Black Flag and all these other things. And so you're just kind of like, I don't know, man, like I get to a point where I'm just like, and I know you need that, but it also means that half the time also, I'm just do you like, really? gamble. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, Those maybe games are so horrifically games. padded. Do you really yeah, need that many true. people? I know. Well, if you want to release them every two years. <laughs> every two years, you're funny. <laughs> well i mean these <laughs> days now it's every two years right um wow well, now actually, now that if Maybe you believe the rumors they're building assassin's creed infinity oh, because we I'm... haven't got enough live service games so they want a game they can continuously update and that's definitely not going to be broken on launch and for months yeah. and months after i'm as terrified all these fuckers are i couldn't, yep. I couldn't care less. like assassin's creed's not my franchise so like i know but you know, Odyssey I, I, was very it fun. Me, but obviously, it sucks. Yeah, well. Um, hey. But yeah. Anyway, welcome to the. Yeah, sorry. I guess we got even more negative than I thought we'd get on this one. But <laughs> there are just if you some... want to hear us complain about something in response to a specific thing, as we did for Findub, um, let us know in all the places we we mentioned like 15 minutes ago when it was a happier podcast. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there it is. Big companies making terrible things. So, shall we get to How long to beat the game? Alex, it's your week. Tell us what we're playing. Yeah. We are playing Crash Bandicoot 2 Cortex Strikes Back. Ooh, okay. Uh... Interesting. Ugh. That is a PS P- PS one. game. PS one. Yeah. <laughs> um, a good old PS one. So I am I going. I played for... this game recently, but it was the remake. So I'm thinking it's not very long. I'm going to say, oh, yeah, you're pretty much going in the area I am. Yeah, I'm not sure about completionist, but I think I might say, I think I'm going to say eight hours, 10 hours, and maybe 13 hours. 
Oh, he's gone for the full times. Let it be known, I put seven hours and nine hours for main and main plus before he typed his time. So any yeah, well. any allegations of copying this week are going to be unfounded. <laughs> well, I don't care if you copy. It's fine. Okay. Let it be Speaking of which, guys, I'm going to put 13 and a half hours for 100%. Let's, put, let's do that. There you go. That's fine. I just I don't think it's very long. Could be wrong. Could be incredibly long. I feel but... like with those games, the hundreds can be, because the hundreds are like loads of effort to do. That's the impression I get. Yeah. Uh, it, it. Yeah. It crashes like a series that I've never really done anything with. So we shall see. I've played them a bit. I mean, you know, they're not as collectathony as some other ones, right? Because they're more level based. Um, mm. So I, I feel like it's not actually that long. Like if you get good at it, you just go through the level and collect them. They're hard as balls. So Paula said seven hours thirty minutes. Main plus ten hours. One hundred percent fourteen hours. Are we ready to it's see? It's all more or less the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Crash Bandicoot Two Cortex Strikes Back is main story six hours. Main plus extras, seven and a half hours. Main plus, mm-hmm. 11 and a half hours. It looks like we're all going home with five points. Nice. Yeah, short game. Uh, so Rick is at 105. Alex is at 105. And Paolo's at 90. Ooh, we're so and we, we've broken the PS1, grossly underestimating the time duck. Yeah, we did. Well, cr- yeah. Cool. I wonder if Spyro we was the we did it. We did it. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you next week. And have a yeah, happy Halloween. 50 more episodes. Damn right. Mm-hmm. Could get to 100. <laughs> <laughs> Toodles. Oh, <my> gosh. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, is it the socks?